Welcome to Packet Pushers Heavy Networking in today's sponsored podcast. We are back with Keith Sinclair from Opman Tech to update you on the NMIS network monitoring and management product. Now, you might remember back in Heavy Networking 595, we did a show where we introduced you to the Opman Tech network management software and how it worked and the sort of thing. And in fact, uh, Opman Tech had such a great response to the show that Keith actually got back in contact and said, I want to do it again because we think more people could be able to get something from NMIS. So first of all, welcome back to the show, Keith. Great to be here, Greg. Yeah. Um, so let's kick off with a, a bit of a recap. It's been nine months since we last talked to you about the Opman Tech product. Let's remind people a little bit about what NMIS is and where it fits into the marketplace. Well, we've got a um, an open source core with a commercial you know, offering on top of that. So some people these days call it a freemium model, but we, we cover off all the things that people want to do. So we've got multi-vendor, multi-tenant, multi-server solutions. So we scale from a single server right up to, you know, many, 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 many servers. And that's what a lot of our customers uh, want to be able to do. We talk all the protocols that you need to talk. We cover off SNMP, WMI, SSH, RESTful APIs, and just about everything else that we've had to do over the years. And all that data is available for charts, for you know, for charts and graphs, for reporting, for searching, you can create maps, you can create uh, topology diagrams, um, you can you've got all the inventory collected from everything. All the stuffs available in that primary server on you know all those multi-server comes together on the primary server. It's all available there mm. for you to use. We've got all those great um, things that you can then build out your own dashboards. Um, we've got event management capabilities. Uh, We've got APIs so that you can push, pull, and pop data in and out however you need to do it. And uh, with everything that we've got, we've got a lot of integrations that people use to connect to things like ServiceNow, ConnectWise, lots of other incident management systems. So this is a product that people would understand. It's not like some newfangled emerged out of the mind of some crazed Silicon Valley person. This is a straightforward network monitoring solution. But to my mind, it feels like you've really been building on this product for a long period of time. Now, if I remember rightly, NMIS has been around for like 20 years as an open source project. 1999. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 20, 23, almost 23 years ago. Right. Yep. And so you, yep. you've come from that open source and then the Opman tech business was built around that model. So, But if I remember rightly, you were building NMIS um, and, and as people wanted it and people have contributed code. So it very much reflects what people do. It's not like mm. you've got this opinionated view of what the future looks like and you're trying to convince customers to buy it. It's the other way around. It's this, we ha- we know that we needed visibility into the network and we know we needed monitoring. So how do we build that? And it's evolved over a period of time. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference between open source and let's say uh, product management or Product management's great. We love product management. But let's say Silicon Valley product management, mm. you're going to have a committee there driving something forward. With open source, it's more rough consensus and running code. You know, you, you've got to solve a problem. You look at a package, you go, that's solved. That's really close to what I want. Mm. And then people would then go write the code they needed to solve the problem they've got, contribute it back to the project. And NMIS grew really a lot in that first five years. Like it just, it solved lots of problems mm. um, that people needed to solve in that first five years. And this is going back a long time now. And then we, when we started um, OpManTech, we we had that open source core, which was quite mature. At that point, it was NMIS 8, and it was really quite mature. And then we already had multi-vendor. We already had multi-tenancy. We already had single mm. sign-on. We already had a whole bunch of these features that other companies wouldn't have, all just contributed and built out and added to the product over the years. And then what we found very quickly was that people wanted things that it didn't do. So they wanted yeah. event management. They wanted config management. They wanted mm. fancy dashboards and maps, geographic maps. People love geographic maps. 
Well, we think that way, right? And this is this is where this gap between what Silicon Valley, you know, I, I, know, I know I'm saying Silicon Valley, but it's, it's a metaphor for people who imagine a solution and then go and create it and then try and shove it down our throats and convince us how wonderful it is, which is quite often what happens in vendors, you know, as you say, product management is opposed to bottom up. And there's a there's a definitely a place for that sort of strategy, right, that sort of product development, a bit like, um, you know, how SD-WAN emerged. Somebody imagined that this could happen and then went to build it. It couldn't bubble up. But I think for what you're saying here is the the value that I've seen in Enmis over years is it's got this free course so I can start small. I can test it out. I don't need anybody's permission except my own to be able to deploy it inside of my network. It doesn't use a lot of resources. Uh, You don't need like a massive cluster of machines to run this on, but it scales up to tens of thousands of nodes in a network. You've got the data collection model in there so that you can actually have distributed data collectors and things like that. Yep. Yep, that's right. So we have customers, um, large customers uh, who have 5, 10, 20 servers, hundreds of servers in some cases, mm. and, you know, and, and one customer likes to do over 6,000 nodes on a single server. They want to, they do a, a vertical scale, right? Mm. But then we've got the multi-server capabilities we can do horizontal scale. So you can have lots of, you know, one customer likes having about 400 nodes per server. So they do smaller Smaller mm. servers and they have more of them, right? That's that. That's their model. So you can you can build the architecture that you need, and because we have that distributed system, you can put those collectors where they need to be. They're going to be geographically dispersed. So if you've got East Coast, West Coast, US, really classic scenario. Mm. Um, you know, we have customers who put collectors or polars on the East Coast and the West Coast, and then the primaries, you know, talk across, and it's yeah. all good. Brings all the data together, and they see what they want to see where they want to see it. Now, I think that, I think it reflects the fact that sometimes companies work. For that part, data collection in network monitoring is absolutely a, fi- a foundational thing. You don't want to just send it all into the cloud because you might not actually need the cloud or you might not have a cloud to send it to, right? If the, the assumption that everybody's connected to the internet is going to be true over time, but it's not true today. Let me ask you this as a, as a, bit, of a, a bit of a cheeky but question. The, the market for monitoring and network management is getting fairly crowded. Like the emergence of SDN from the shadows and using software to configure your network has led to a, a sort of a boom in visibility in the network. And we've seen any number of companies come out doing visibility and analytics and all that sort of stuff. If I ask you, what is the where does Enmis fit into that model? Where does OpmanTech position Enmis against, say, the, the the monitoring market today? We um we we have a bunch of things that people really like about our solution, but I really think one of the biggest things that people buy a solution from us for and start with maybe Enmis and then buy a solution later is that we run on-prem. So we could run in the cloud and we can run in the cloud. So you could you could take our collect uh, polars and put them on-prem and then you could have the, the, the primary server in the cloud. But we have a lot of companies, very large, very prestigious names who cannot put their data in the cloud full stop. They, mm. they can't. So they, they have to have their entire solutions. You know, we work with government departments around the world. Mm. They have to have everything in data centers that are not connected to the internet. So, you know, we, we have an, a, a, virtual, a virtual machine. You build a virtual machine, they install that virtual machine onto their, you know, their infrastructure. They don't need to connect to the internet to in, uh, upgrade and patch it. Yeah. They run their satellite servers and so forth to do the patching. But, and then those servers never talk to the internet. They, they're not allowed to because mm. they're, they're doing the government things that, yeah, they need to be to. isolated away. They should not be yep. any connectivity to the internet. And I think, in, yep. you know, as we record this, of course, the the war in Ukraine is ongoing and they're demonstrating that internet connectivity cuts both ways. Uh, you can be, you know, it represents an inbound security vector. So in a sense, having your network monitoring and visibility tooling 
separate from perhaps even sitting in the out-of-band network that monitors it is actually a feature because even if the actual tools underneath are, are vulnerable, the visibility tooling is not. Yeah, you, you, you know, I live here in Brisbane in, in, in beautiful Australia, in Queensland, and, and we recently flooded and it was a very random flood. And it also showed what could go wrong in different areas. So, so certain suburbs lost power for for week for a week, mm. and they lost internet connectivity because a local cell went down. And no no big impacts to IT infrastructure in general. But there was no the, the NBN here in Australia. The local internet went down in lots of places. Lots of the cellular networks went down. So basically, you want to have your infrastructure not dependent on those things. You want to make sure that it's in a place where it's going to keep everything going, hmm. and it can you know and it can keep operating. So you want to have that level of control and you want your architecture to support and do what you have to do. So if you have a if you have private networks that you've got to keep everything monitored and, and managed, and the people who need to see that status are in your network operations center, then you're not really too worried about internet connectivity. Hmm. Maybe you've got um, maybe you've got you're doing stuff and you've got an op, a, a, you know an offshore location where you've got staff, so you need to have everything running, and the offshore location can still reach that by having a private network connection, you know, into you and help you out with your you know help you out with your operations. So all of that's possible because we have a flexible solution. Mm. I think that's the other thing. So related to the on-prem, I think that's the other thing that people like about our solution is we're not imposing an architecture based on the cost of things. We don't charge you per CPU of the server. We don't charge you per, you know, per number of cores or the number of sockets or whatever. I don't have to be a spreadsheet wizard no. to work out what I'm buying. <laughs> no, no. We, we we felt a really really we felt a really fair commercial model was well, I've got lots of nodes, so I have to pay per node. We just yeah. felt that that was a very fair, you know. So for a small for a small network, a small environment, it's quite affordable. And then for a large network, it's obviously sliding sliding scale. So mm. by the time you're getting ten thousand nodes, it's not the same per node prices as 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 fifty nodes. But you know, basically, you can you can afford the solution um, mm. when you've got the ten thousand nodes to manage. So it's been that flexibility that we have, and the fact that you can you can you can buy. Not everyone needs configuration backup, right? So not all the devices you manage. You might have a mix of Windows and, and Linux and Cisco and Juniper and mm -hmm. whatever, and you might not need config backup on all of those things. So you only have to license the config backup for the, the Cisco and Linux boxes, for example. All right. You don't need to pay for it for things that you're not using it for. It's not one. Yeah, it's not just a unit count license, and so uh, it's much more of a practical thing. So I think what I'd like to do now that we sort of covered a little bit about what NMIS is and and the approach to market that Opman Tech creates. And some of the other things about the product, we'll bring them out as we talk through the discussion today. But I, I wanted to ask you what's happened in the last, say, nine to 12 months since we last talked in the middle of last year. What are the new features that have come into the product since then? Well, as boring as it might be, we do a lot of maintenance on our products. So we, we do really regular releases. You know, we're an, an agile, um, you know, agile team as a, as a development team. So we do, um, we really want to make sure we're doing regular maintenance on our products and keeping them up to date, as mm -hmm. well as incremental enhancements and you know, maintenance and bug fixes and putting all the new packages in. And we've had, we don't run Java at all. So Log4j was not a problem, but, you know, we've got to make sure we're staying up to date with all of those um, those packages and dependencies and all that's done. But also we get a lot of customer feedback and we get a lot of customer input and we want to make sure that we're incrementally adding those features and addressing that feedback for, especially for things like just little tweaks that you need to make to the product that aren't that much development. We just do those regular cycles. So that's that's kind of these mean lots and lots of maintenance on our products. And then 
as we've gone forward, we've been really, really excited by, and I've, I've been working on this as, as whatever you want to call it, one of my thought experiments or, or my um, the evol- evolution mm. of how to manage enterprise businesses. But we've just been, it's in beta right now and it's enterprise service monitoring. And that's all about how to take an arbitrary set of things that are that we're monitoring for you and let you put them into a collection that we call an enterprise service. And then when something happens to one of those things, we show you that it's broken. And then we raise an event saying your service impact, your service called my important website or my, you know, my accounting application is, is not working anymore. And that enterprise service that you're monitoring could just be um, you know, like synthetic traffic to a, a cloud service, it could be your enterprise, you know, your entire Oracle database and all of your finan- Oracle financials running on your, you know, in on-prem database servers, right? Hmm. So this sort of this sort of reflects the reality of enterprise IT, which is, you know, that five racks over there, that's the Oracle ERP solution. Or, you know, yep. that two racks over there is the SQL database that's hooked up to the custom app that we wrote for some part of the business. And yeah. so what you're saying here is you could t- take out of the general purpose of the business and say, if I group this group of services together, routers, switches, and all the dependencies, you know, the apps and, and all of that sort of stuff, and say that's, you know, ERP. Is that the idea? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So when when the, the when the daemon stops running or the, the response time of the server goes high, the CPU of the server goes high, or the, or the, the router or switch starts dropping packets, or it, you know, it runs out of memory, or, or any number of things. Like you know, a really classic thing with firewalls is too many connections across the firewall, right? So we monitor the connections, put thresholds on that. The node goes degraded; it causes the enterprise service to go degraded. So degraded means, and then you get an alarm instantly. So this isn't this isn't root cause analysis. This is this is better. We say that that problem happening on that thing, whatever it is, that performance problem happening on that device, is causing that service to be degraded. So we're telling you the impact of what's going on. And that's really useful because I can send that directly to the CEO or the IT executive yeah. and you know, whatever and say, and all he gets is an email saying, you know, ERP solution problem. And all that's all they need to know. They don't need to see 500 different alerts from switches and servers and stuff like that. All they want is, and then they can come around and stand at your desk and say what's wrong and be unhelpful generally. That's right. Yeah, you know, and start poking, start poking people. So That's it's, right. it's yeah. about it's yeah, it's about visibility and mm. awareness. So visibility is great. Can I see it? But are you aware of it going on? So you want to be, you know, people need to be aware. And the reason that executive needs to be aware is he he or she mm. might need to make a phone call. It might be coming up to the end of the month, and they might might need to make a phone call to the accounting department to say, hey guys, can you do the end of month next week? Or you know, mm. how's it going? Yeah. So there's, there's, you've got to you've got to go and understand what the business is doing and what's needed, what the business is needing, and then respond to that and make sure that people know and they're aware. And maybe they can send people home for the weekend. And then get them to, you know, come in the following weekend and catch up, right? It's just having having the visibility and the awareness of what's going on. And but that ability to craft it to you. Like a lot of the times we've got these products out there and they're all talking about AI ops and you know, we're gonna intelligently work out what's the wrong here. But they can't define what a service looks like in the cloud, whether it's off-prem or on-prem, you can't actually say, you know. Artificial intelligence can't work out that these twenty-five servers over here, these routers, these firewalls, these just you know threat detection engines are all related to my core business application. You have to configure it. 
That's right. You yeah. you can do a level of discovery and and I wouldn't call it AI, but you could do some discovery and some dependency stuff and you could do some cool things, but mm-hmm. an AI couldn't do that. You, you need you need to have um, an idea of what the, where the traffic's flowing and then how it's working and what it's talking to. But usually what will actually happen is someone will go, oh, by the way, that when the backups run over here on this obscure server that doesn't ever appear to be connected, it's really important, mm. right? So there's always going to be those things that aren't directly related or don't appear to be related that actually mm. are really, really important to that enterprise service. What's also important here is that this isn't just monitoring the network, it's monitoring the servers. Can I, you know, can I do a synthetic transaction? Can I log into the system? You know, is the database responding to queries? Do I, when I go to that web page, do I get this? Do I see this text? You know, do I get a, a do I get a status update from something or other? You know, all of that's possible in our in our solution already, mm, and mm. we now let you containerize that if you like, or or put it in a in a box and call it an enterprise service. And when something goes wrong, you know, you know. So for example, I can no longer log in. Maybe a network normal network monitoring system is just continually going on saying, yep, nothing's wrong, nothing's mm-hmm. wrong. But now we're telling you that enterprise service is impacted because the person can't log in. Right. Service providers, you've been working to make your product scale up to the service providers who are using you to monitor their networks. Is that something you've been continuing doing? Well, I mean, it's almost it's almost the opposite. We, we've probably always, because NMIS has been around for such a long time and large organisations have been using NMIS for a long time in different ways, service providers came to us fairly early and, and they quite like our solution. Mm-hmm. And so we've been, we, we do a lot of work with service providers and integrate with their OSS and BSS systems. And we've got the data they need and we're quite flexible. So they can, you know, they can pull and pop data out of our system and push it into something else. So we will fit into their, you know, the OSS BSS systems really well. And then we do a lot of reporting stuff. Like the service providers love that we can do all this reporting and take all this data and crunch it all and generate meaningful reports. Mm. So lately we've been doing a whole bunch of stuff around um, helping them with regulatory compliance, you know, where where the country's legislators have whatever obscure requirements they've got, you know, Mm -hmm. we can help them with the reporting, getting the data out of the network and putting it into a report and then getting it fed through to the legislators or to prove their compliance. But we've also been working on on creating, you know, solutions for billing. So we've had been doing some stuff with one customer around burst billing, for example. So there's a bunch of bunch of stuff that we do with service providers. And because we have that multi-server capability, we go to some of these beasts of devices and there's some stuff we're doing at GPON at the moment in one of the countries and it's, you know, 7,000 ports per switch. Oh, okay. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of data. It's a huge <laughs> amount of data that we have yeah. to collect and yeah. and, it, and the servers are not that huge, but, you know, we, we figured out the right balance of the right number of nodes. And the funny one there is it doesn't matter how many nodes you've got, you know, we can co- we're collecting about 70,000 ports of information of the granularity they need all the time yeah. for their regulator, regulators' requirements, right, for the compliance. So so that really shifts. I imagine that the, the largest service providers are less interested in this. I'm thinking more of a mid-sized service provider, somebody who's like working in a regional area. They're like a WISP or, you know, they've, they're not countrywide or global service provider. This is much more modest size. You could start off with NMIS as an open source project, get it to use it for monitoring, and now all of a sudden you're moving into the billing space as well. You've actually described a whole bunch of our customers in the States, mm. a wireless ISP, so WISPs, and, you know, they um, sometimes, we often get customers that come to us, they've been using some other solution, possibly open source, possibly commercial, mm. and they often have a trouble with scaling and they've grown very rapidly. The US government was providing funding for a lot of these organisations to grow, to mm. fulfil that, you know, those regional networks. And so 
they've started off with something, and I, you know, I won't name all their competitors and stuff, but <laughs> some, someone about commercial law or um or open source sort of options that are available, mm. and they, it's working great. And then they get to a thousand devices, or they get to ten thousand, or three thousand, or four thousand devices, and it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. It's just they, like it becomes non-responsive, right? You, that last one you added killed it. So. <laughs> They, they often come to us and they find out about the scaling and that's that's where we start. And they can start in a small way. So before that, maybe they're still building up their revenues. They're still growing and building up their revenues. Uh-huh. They can start with a simple solution, solve their immediate problems. Then they can come back later and add in the extra, you know, bells and whistles that they need later on. Mm. So we've got a, you know, sort of a pay as you grow, if you like. So build it up, you know, buy what you need now. And then, you know, you buy the car, you put the mags on it later and then you upgrade the engine and, you know, you can do all that sort of stuff. I think that's super interesting that the monitoring tool actually becomes part of the billing environment. And so NMS would become core to those network operators and you're also multi-tenant, right? So I think you've been saying that, you know, as we were preparing for today's show, you said you keep improving the multi-tenancy capability. So you could then expose a lot of this monitoring as a hosted service, but internally you might actually be able to offer this either as a managed service monitoring telco networks or service provider networks or to be able to give customers visibility into their their slice of the network. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So multi-tenancy is useful for corporate like ent- enterprises as well. Mm. So you you might you, you might want to let people log in and see the marketing people can see their gear, but they can't see anything from the sales department, classic example. Mm-hmm. But multi-tenancy for for the, lots of people of our customers are managed service providers. And they they really need that. Like it's a core capability for them. So we, we work with Telmex in in Mexico, and you know there's mm. over a hundred thousand devices being managed. And that multi tenancy has always been a, a fundamental thing for them. So they keep driving us forward to keep making that multi tenancy more and more granular and give you know more and more capabilities of that multi tenancy. And so we've actually ended up with two complete, well, two complementary solutions for multi tenancy, which is really interesting because then you end up in the managed service provider. They use one type of multi tenancy for their knock. Then they use the the really granular multi-tenancy solution for their customer portal, mm. right? So the knock guys log in and can see what they need to see. The customers log in and can only see their own nodes and their own interfaces. And it's quite granular. You can just, just let them have a dashboard or a map or an interface only, right? right. So that, that classic one where you've got maybe a, a metropolitan area network and you've got, you know, Ethernet switches all across the, the man and, you you know, one customer's got tw- 20, 20 ports across whatever number of switches in the, in the man, you can just give them a, you can actually see their network usage, right? They can't see the whole switch. They can just see the interfaces that they're using off all of those switches. So we've got very, very granular um, things for multi for service providers love it, managed service providers love it. Mm. And that just strikes me that basically what you're saying is I could start off with a tiny network, 10 devices, 50 devices, 100 devices, servers, routers, switches, applications, I could start off as free and then I could scale up to somewhere as big as Telmex with 100,000 services under or nodes under monitoring. Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually um, we actually have a 20-node free license. So um, we encourage that for, for home labs. So, I mean, most people probably listening to this will probably have more than 20 devices in their home labs. I, I, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can manage 20 things for free. Basically, you can start very, very small. And, and what we see with some companies who maybe don't have the money to start with they might even deploy a solution and just do their core, right? So their core might be 10, 15 devices. So they can actually use NMIS and then use some of the commercial modules, use mm-hmm. NMIS on all the devices, use some of the commercial modules just on their core. They solve their problems. They get to go home on the weekend. They're not working all the time. Their boss eventually sees this and says, hey, we'll buy some licenses for that for the mm-hmm. rest of the network. 
I like that idea of sliding into it. You don't have to, one of the challenges that I've had facing up to some of the, the new solutions coming to market is they're trying to convince you to spend big upfront. They want to capture all of your money today. Whereas something that builds over time, I can start small. I'm much more comfortable with that in the sense that I can start small, prove it out, invest some more, prove it out, invest and build up. And that's yep. not what, you know, in the current business environment, a lot of companies are really hungry to get your money now, if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. So we we, we often get customers who've been dealing with uh, maybe one of our competitors yeah. and they m- might need to move off for various reasons and they can't do it straight away because they've got, you know, contracts that are already in place and they might be finishing over the next six to 12 months, but they've got a brand new opportunity coming in where they need to deploy a brand new solution. They don't want to go back to that incumbent vendor and give them any more licensing. They want to get off them. Mm. So they'll come to us. We'll build a parallel solution. You might be 500,000 nodes, whatever it needs to be. We solve that problem for them. And then as their licensing finishes up on the other system, they just buy more licenses from us and just move it over to our platform. All right. And, and you're not, we're not, we're not forcing you to buy all the licenses up front. You buy the ones you need now. And then when you need more, you come and buy more. We've got, you know, we, we, we let you, with the, the quoting system we've got handles all of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you, you know, people come back and go, well, I've, I've got the licenses for 500. If I buy the thousand node, do I get that discount level? We go, absolutely. You know, right, that's what you right. get. Future features, where, where are you headed? We've talked a bit about what's developed over the last nine months. We've covered a bit about what the product is, but where are you headed now? What are, what are the projects you're working on? You are actually writing the code with this. You lead the team that does this stuff. So where are you going? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hands-on. I'm, I'm trying not to write so much code these days, but I like to do prototyping, which has always been one of my strengths. Um, but yeah, so I, I do get involved and I can't help myself but to look at code and, and, and do those things. Um, but we, we've been... Well, I think the last time we spoke, we talked about operational process automation. People are loving that. It's a very powerful capability. Um, and that's what, you know, lots of our customers want more. So we we have a bunch of stuff planned to just, and they're really, some of these features are almost incremental, but, you know, they might be considered incremental, but you, you can just add some capability and it just opens it up so much. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing a lot of that in the last little while as well, um, but we just got plans, really subtle just adding more capabilities into into our OPA solutions, operational process automation. So, you know, do more with less. That's what that's all about. And we're really seeing that the great resignation Mm -hmm. um, is really biting around the world. We're seeing a lot of people, and even though people are changing jobs, some people are leaving the industry, right? That's happening. Some people are just changing jobs. So that corporate memory is going with them. As they they leave, that corporate memory goes with them. You know, if you had operational process automation in place, you would have had a bunch of stuff automated and it'd be okay because all the important stuff that they do, you know, was, was ready, ready to just be taken care of. Right. Yeah. So a lot longer conversation there, but you know, net result is we, we really do, doing a lot more around that as we go forward. Um, and I think the the next one is how to then, when, when you're, when you're managing tens of thousands of devices and you've got to have multiple servers, what, what we do with our, with our, our, um, multi-server capability, which we call OPHA. Mm. We're doing more capabilities in that so that you can more centralize your management. So for example, we're about, it's very soon we'll release uh, centralized outage management. So you'll be able to go to the primary server and you'll just be able to raise an outage and say, I'm doing an outage planned, planned maintenance this weekend. I'm, I'm touching these routers and switches and you're on the primary server right. and those those nodes are managed on random polars across your environment, wherever they might be, East Coast, West Coast, wherever they might be. So you're just planning your change and you put it in and then the system just suppresses those events. Oh, that's 
So you know that there's an outage going on at 10 o'clock on Friday night and you just yep. turn it on to suppress the alerts while the outage and at the yep. end of it you unturn it off and then you're working yep. out exactly what what's related to that outage. That's right. You're still integrating sideways though too. You can integrate with ServiceNow or any of those apps and, and start to load data in or out of them. Uh, yes. So we, we have lots of customers um, who – so one of our customers – the network team actually just go to ServiceNow, add delete nodes in there, and then we just bring those into to our platform, right? We just bring them across and there's a automated automated batch processing that just updates everything, deletes nodes that have been deleted, you know. And we actually did a cool thing. We made that bi-directional. So you can you can bring across a node from NMIS automatically and and half the data is authoritative in ServiceNow, but the rest of the data is authoritative in NMIS. Because it, it's, it's ServiceNow doesn't really have the capability to store a lot of the data that we collect. I mean, we collect huge amounts of data on some of the device models for depending what we're doing. So, you know, basically it, they, they don't care about some of the things that the network engineering team care about. So they can actually go in and, and tweak the device and do what they've got to do to make it manage better uh, if they need to. And then that's authoritative in our platform, right? So you kind of get that. You don't, you don't have to do everything through service. Now you actually do what you have to do there mm-hmm. and then you, you've got the data uh, available. So that, that, yeah, we absolutely integrate, uh, across, you know, north, north, south, east, west. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I was. You talk to any device in the network, but you're also talking north. So if people want to snap you into something else, so maybe you've got a some sort of OSS or BSS system in your telco, you could start to put API calls on top of NMIS. But at the same time, NMIS is able to operate laterally and say, "I've got an alert automatically crack a ticket in, you know, my help desk yeah. application, so that you drive the operations." You know, if you've got a 24-hour help desk, you know, or 24-hour operations, you know, monitoring center, then it raises a ticket and some operator then starts to activate it and look at the alerts being generated. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, the, the the beauty of the world at the moment is as we've gone into, I think we're up to Web 3.0. It's Web 3.0 now, isn't it? Well, they're <laughs> trying track. to get it off the ground, but it, Web 3.0 yeah, yeah, just yeah. looks an awful lot like um, things we've done before, just they're putting the money before the horse, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, so net result is that that, that the world has become a new place. This, the, the thing that we've done with our applications is these are modern applications. These are modern web-based applications that have RESTful APIs and do all of those things. And lots of other good vendors are doing that as well. And so it's very, very easy to take our system and have it push and pull and pop data in and out of other systems. You know, people call this webhooks and you know, they used to, the term used to be loose coupling instead of tight coupling. Everything 10, 15 years ago is tightly coupled. And I remember doing a lot of projects where we loosely coupled things and they just tended to work better. It was faster, mm. easier, easier to maintain. So that loose coupling is really now the backbone of how we do things. And that's RESTful APIs and just much easier and microservices, um, whatever you want to call it, but that, <laughs> that we fit it really nicely. Web hooks, we fit really nicely into that, that you can, and, and our backbone is event driven, right? So our event management system is there as the, as the data, everything goes through and generates an event. So we, we, we detect that the configuration has changed in that Cisco router. We raise an event through the event management system. It can tell something else to go back it up again. It can tell um, something that there's been a change made that can be checked in service now against a planned change. Is it an unplanned change? All of that stuff can be you know, mm-hmm. triggered from, from us as, as that, that event-driven core. Mm. There's a, there's a lot of features that we actually aren't discussing because there's not really enough time, but things like backing up all the configurations and then actually validating them is all there. It's not like they're just common features though. 
Yeah, we. Um, I'm really, really happy and really proud of our uh, configuration management system. I did a lot of work in my career with NCCM systems and mm. did a whole heap of stuff. So I really learned what was necessary, the, the important requirements and capabilities for an NCCM, not not just the bells and whistles or not mm. the unnecessary features. So yeah, uh, uh, OP Config, our configuration backup system, is more than just config backup. We've actually made it do what term I use is operational delegation. So you can you can have the system, have an operator log in and then make a scheduled change on a device and they don't need credentials at all to anything else, right? Mm. And then um, a network engineer can pre-program that. So the network engineer, the architect has come in and said, these are the changes that I'm going to let the operators make and they, they put them in place. The operator they can then schedule those to happen um, and then they can, and we can do pre-commands, post-commands. Um, then we can look at all the diffs. So as we do everything, we back everything up. We keep revisions of everything. So you can look at, you know, the last two revisions compared, or you can actually just literally compare any command output of any revision from any device to any other command output of any revision of any device. I, I thought to myself, well, why wouldn't I want to be able to compare the the show running config of a core device mm. against maybe a distribution device, right? Because sometimes that's something you don't want to do. And so we've, we we let you do that on the screen. You can just bring them up. And you know, do a, have them side by side, and make sure that everything's matching the way you want it to match. Mm-hmm. And then you can click the button, download them, put them in your text editor if you need to, right? Like if you had to do that. So we've tried to keep those really, really flexible and really, really um, to work the way engineers work, right? Network engineers, whatever, whatever's going on, we use textual configurations to represent how we want things to work. Yeah. And so the, the OP config is a tool that deals with that. Uh, semi-structured, it's kind of structured, but semi-structured data in a really, really good way. So yeah, it's a very powerful capability and it's the, it's the backbone of the, of the thing that drives actions to happen in your environment. So you can tell it to talk to Linux boxes and restart demons. You can tell it to, and we do that internally, right? So we have people all over the world that work for Opmantic. So in our, in our production system, our production monitoring system, we have, you know, we have what we call virtual operators set up so that someone can go and restart the the um, I won't name the vendor, but mm. restart the Java the Java engine for this application we use, and go they can go and restart that, and they don't need to have Amazon and they can reboot the server if they have to. They don't mm. need Amazon credentials. They don't need you know they don't need to have the root passwords to the servers. They just need to be able to access the application, and they can just do that action. They can't do all the other stuff. They can just do that. Mm. It's kind of like the ultimate. It's kind of like the ultimate sudo. There's a security angle there in that you're not sharing around, you know, root access to everybody in the operations. They can just do it from within NMIS. And that's, uh, you know, that's a real feature if you don't want to have to go and buy another tool to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So we had, you know, when I've gone through that with customers, I've understood it. They go, oh, awesome. So I can actually take the passwords off Mm. all of those network operators. They don't need the passwords. They They don't don't need need enable passwords anymore. Which reduces the cost of your zero trust. If you're running a zero trust solution, now that changes everything. And you may not need an out-of-band. So one of the things that we're seeing is an emergence of product categories that just do the out-of-band thing. So for DevOps and you want to have one, and there's a whole product category around this, just doing, you know, if you're going to DevOps the things, how do you control access control? This is all part of NMIS is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. It's all, all part of the solution. And you, you know, again, you... You need to get the, the data that people need in front of the people who need it. So, you know, the, the system means that you can, um, you know, you can, everything's web-based and everything's reasonably works well on a, on a phone, but very well on a tablet. So, mm-hmm. if you, saw, you know, it works okay on a phone, but there's a lot of data. So, the tablet's really good. Tablet and laptop's really good. Um, so, the, the, the people who are doing this job just need to have access to the data. They don't need to have privileged access. 
But because of the way a lot of the technology works, the only way to get the data sometimes is to give them privileged access. But that's not good for security. Everyone's got the you know the keys the, the keys to the castle. It's not good. Uh, I want to move the conversation here, Keith, over to what some customers have been doing because I think actually the way the best way to talk about Opman Tech. And miss, as we have done here, is to talk about how customers use it. You've said it several times, but let's talk about some of your case stories. The, we've got one here where you're talking about burst billing reporting. That sounds really hard to say. I had to practice that one before I could say it. What's that? So this particular customer had a whole bunch of in a competitive situations. So they, they needed to offer a burst billing reporting capability on their service provider as part of their services that they offer. And so they have these customers who must have large amounts of bandwidth available for backups, for example, so to, to run at night, mm-hmm. but during the day that the business doesn't need them during the day. So they they have a service offering where they can deliver, for example, 100 megabit service, mm. and then they're only charged for 20 megabits. Per, they're not charged if they keep below 20 megabits per second. So during the day the business operates, mm-hmm. 20 megabits per second is all they need. It's a Let's say it's a retail or something like that. Mm-hmm. But at night then the backups run, they're using the whole 100 megabits for two hours. Mm-hmm. They're only paying when they burst, right? When they burst, they get billed for when they burst. So that's that. That's a, a sort of the that's use case hard. that the service provide. Yeah, that's hard. That's so hard, we, right? We, because you've got to be able to have like a, you've got a charge rate between in normal hours, they don't use more than 20 megs. And if they burst above 100 megs, then you've got to detect that in some way and then know what the charge rate will be. That's That's hard. Yeah, yeah. So we have a we have basically um, the concept is really simple. You have you take the ninety fifth percentile and you throw away five percent of the records. Yeah. You give them the busiest stuff for free, right? You don't charge them for that the complete burst. You just charge them for the sustained burst, if you like. Mm-hmm. Really, really fair, right? Really, really fair. So yeah, we, it's it's actually just a nice statistical model. We grab the data, we crunch it through, we mark the records that are that are that are in that category of. Uh, we mark the records that are under burst or under the committed information rate, mm-hmm. and then we we find the one where they're over their you know their uh, bandwidth exceeds. So when the mm-hmm. bandwidth exceeds their committed information rate, if you like, and then then the third category that's number two, and then the third category is we throw away the top five percent. You know, we mm-hmm. just get rid of it. Yeah, oh, that's normal because the top five percent can't actually be trusted. <laughs> is the right. flip side right. here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then now we generate we generate that report. It's a, you know quite a detailed report. These could be you know thousands and tens of thousands of records mm. that we feed that through to their billing system, and then they they crunch all of that and do what they have to do. Right. So you don't actually generate the invoice or the billing, but you uh, provide the data, which then gets fed into a billing system. That's right. Mm. That's right. So they need us to generate. They can't deal with the volume of data that we handle. They mm. need us to apply some logic and rules to that data and say this is the data you can bill on. And it's done in the right place here. It's done by the networking team, not the accounting team, which is one of that's the right. failures of OSS BSS in telcos is that they say, oh, that's an accounting function in the accounting app. And then you have some McKinsey type, you know, overpriced, overblown solution that uses a, you know, a whole data center full of machines to create the billing records. It really doesn't need that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So this mm-hmm. is a a relatively lightweight solution, um, um, and they're doing it on. It's a for them. It's a premium service offering for that mm-hmm. customer. It's a bit of a premium service offering. So you know, it's it's for their customers that they want to keep very happy. So they they you know that's how they do it. They can they've, they've got access to the data. They literally they they when they got asked the requirement, a customer there, you know, she got asked about this requirement. She said. I'm pretty sure that NMIS can do this. Let me find out. And then I got an email and I uh-huh. said, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> and then, you know, we've been working on the project with them um, to deliver that. 
Smart cameras, all the rage, they're all over the place, but they're not necessarily managed by a central solution. Some are, but some aren't. Yeah, so we have a customer, um, very large organisation, I won't name them, but very, very familiar organisation for lots of people. Um, they run, you know, security centres and they have all of these cameras and there's lots of them. There's just a huge number. And they're smart cameras. They're, they're actually really expensive cameras and they they have, you know, status are they online? Are they working? Are they recording? You know, are they all in good good condition, right? Mm. So there's these just good old-fashioned SNMP. It's awesome. It scales really, really well. And so we, we have a solution for them where we're monitoring the cameras and we're alerting when certain conditions are met so that we tell them if the camera's offline. If we just can't ping it, it's offline, mm. no down. We tell them about that. That's straightforward. So someone tries to turn off the cameras, we know about it straight away. Mm. And then if we we have a problem with any of the, the sensors, the cameras are very smart. So they tell if, they tell you if something's gone wrong. So we, you know, we monitor that and we we alarm on those things if those conditions happen. And the, the volume of devices here was was quite high. It was hundreds um, of thousands, over, tens of thousands. Mm. Um, in, in this case, right. it might get bigger later. Tens of thousands, and the 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 commercial model was what was really important. Like we had this technical solution for them. They're really happy with the technical solution. They really love the technical solution. But they said, "How much will it be?" And based on the regular pricing, there's no way they could have afforded it, right? Mm-hmm. It just wasn't justifiable. So they said that. And then the, the commercial team just worked up a deal for them and said, well, you're not really pol- you're not routers and switches, right? You're not, you're just collecting a few metrics and mm-hmm. you can put literally, you know, 10,000 of these on a single server. So they basically came up with a commercial solution and a licensing agreement so they could do smart camera monitoring. So you're flexible on licensing to meet the yes. needs. Like if you're only polling... You know, in this case, it sounds like you're polling about 10 SNMP variables from a smart camera. Yep. Um, and I can imagine that if I have a, have a camera solution, what I actually want is to know if it's up or down, not as a part of the camera solution, because the camera might actually be security cameras and you might need to be a security operative, to know, but you still need to monitor them as up, down, working, not working, have an out of band. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If someone, you know, the classic one would be someone hits one with a baseball bat to take it offline. <laughs> you want to know as quick mm. as you can that it's offline. Wisp storms. This was an interesting story that you talked about where a wireless ISP has a problems when it's raining. Yeah. So they, they um, you know, this wireless ISP is in, um, in Texas and they, um, they probably know who they are. Mm. Um, and they're, they're a great organization. In fact, they're a good partner of ours, Nextlink. Mm. And they've, they've had a rapidly growing, um, you know, wireless ISP and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and they're, they're in more and more regions. And for those who don't know about these WISPs in, in the States, it's how they're doing regional internet for, mm. for people, right? And they heavily use Wi-Fi and various wireless technologies. Now, these don't operate great when it rains. They're excellent most of the time, and they still work when it rains, but they just they tend to drop out when things happen. And even then they've got a um, – sometimes things just might not necessarily get flooded, but they just get the, – the power gets cut for a short period of time while a tree falls on the lines or whatever happens. So they tend to get these big storms come through, and then they get these – you know, massive number of devices go offline for a relatively mm. short period of time. So we've got a system, you know, where we, and of course, everything's polling, everything's collecting mm. data, and all of a sudden, 2,000 things or 1,000 things go offline. You don't want 1,000 tickets opened in your in your ticketing system, right? <laughs> so we handle, well, you don't. Well, <laughs> so it depends. Maybe, we, you're pay, maybe you get paid on tickets. <laughs> yeah, no, most of the guys aren't paid on tickets. <laughs> they just sit there for hours, yeah. you know, cancelling them. No, delete, delete. So, yeah. you know, so basically we have a storm, a way to handle that, and we we normalise that down and we don't raise thousands of things. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, we, we help reduce that number and help them handle that, as well as 
you know, good old fashioned geographical mapping, you know, we, we can put that data up on a geographical map and they just see that lots of stuff goes red in that region. They know it's a storm. The, you know, you don't need an AI to look at a map and understand that. Yeah, right? to see that uh, and, 250 devices in a physical air, in a physical geo geographic map are all out and the weather yeah. reports, yeah. Yeah, so we, we you know, that, that for especially, we, we have the same problem in Queensland here with cyclones hitting, mm. the, you know, hitting the coast up, up, up north and mm. it'll often take out, you know, the city or one of the cities or one of the regions for sadly sometimes for a bit longer but yeah. usually for a, couple, a day or so, just maybe localised flooding or whatever. You don't want to keep getting alarms off that every exactly. 15 minutes or, you know, whatever your pollen yeah. is. Exactly. And so then you can actually, and with our system, then you can put the whole thing in a planned outage and all the alarms are suppressed for the next couple of days. So you could, you know, you can really handle those, those um, crazy events that you're getting by, you know, if, and if even if you know there's a storm coming and mm. people are leaving the area, you just put everything in the planned outage and then and all the alarms are suppressed. Compliance and audits are really popular in the industry at the moment. Everybody wants to know that their devices are meeting some sort of compliance standards and that they're easily auditable by internal and external auditors. Have you got something there? Yeah, so we we do um, we have a wonderful open source core product called Open Audit, which is complementary to to Enmis, and it's got a commercial its own commercial add-ons, and the products integrate together and work together. Um, but auditing is a slightly subtly different thing than network monitoring. So this is a you know complementary to the other things we do, and yeah, we have a lot an energy utility. We've got quite a few customers who use it for compliance, but in, in particular, there's an energy utility in the states that um, collects all the data, and they they had to have. They had, you know, all these network zones and all these different problems. So they've actually gone and they've they bought the multi-server open audit solution. Mm. They can put the the open audit collector where it needs to be on their environment. They can get the data back to the to the primary open audit server, and then they can the auditors can see everything, and then mm. the, they don't have to have access to the network zones or anything else. They can see all the data they need to see. They generate all of these endless reports and discoveries and all these things, and we're not allowed to know all the details of what they generate. Well, there's well, this well, energy is part of this critical national infrastructure for most governments now, yep. and there are also there's literal rules about what you can and can't do inside of that infrastructure. You're not allowed to have outside access into these, even for auditors, right? Um, that's right. No, that's and, exactly right. And auditors used to have to literally physically go in and connect to the routers and gather the configs, and then off they go, sort of thing. Um, so you have these weird situations inside of critical national infrastructure, which the same applies to water and sewerage and a bunch of other things as well. And you putting the um, com- the collectors for the audit compliance inside of those security zones, and they're often very physically secure because an electricity plant has a whole physical boundary around it, very much about a perimeter security as well, because mm-hmm. they're physically got a perimeter. You can't walk into a you know a, a power generation plant. <laughs> without being accosted several times, um, very different to an office environment or corporate environment. And so this works really well with that model because you can actually have the collectors where they need to be delivering data through very restricted, narrow uh, security rules to get the data out to the auditing engine. That's exactly right. And mm. you can do all of the, that you just sort of described, Greg, and you can also um, export, you know, you can have an isolated auditing box that doesn't leave and then you can just get the the, the XML files that are the audits and mm. put them on a USB stick and bring them back and put them into the main server if you needed to do that. And we've had people do that. Um, there was a co- company who did that in Afghanistan. They needed to yeah. audit their, their stuff, so they just used the USB sticks to, you know, mm. download the audits. That probably sounds like a really good idea, but I bet you automate it with a network connection soon after. Uh, secure dashboards. Everybody's getting into dashboards at the moment. In fact, there's entire companies out there just doing dashboards. What are you doing there? 
we do a lot of work with MSPs and we've done a lot of or a lot of companies, but dashboarding turned out to be a very early commercial success for us. So we, we have this uh, a module called OP Charts and, and we talked earlier about uh, enterprise service monitoring and, and that features in OP Charts. So that we have a customer a large government, we have quite a few customers and you know who have these sorts of requirements. And in particular, this large government customer, they needed a secure dashboard where the data being collected was on a collector inside the internet zone. And then we needed to be able to show the executive team that everything inside that internet zone was okay, but they can't actually share the IP address or node names or any details about anything inside the zone. Hmm. So the solution there is that we use enterprise services to normalize and and you know basically summarize all the data to say, you know, important business or important government website is up, and and you know and the it, all the details along with that are are, are are working, so that they know that when they see basically a green you know a, a traffic light that mm. says you know important government service is up, and that means that all the router switches servers all of the uh, inter- network interfaces whatever's a, whatever's part of that service is available. And that now means that that dashboard, the executive sitting at their desk doesn't need to have one of those secure computers. They don't need to be logged in over VPNs or anything else. They can mm. just see the status of what's going on. And then when it goes orange or red, they can go and ask someone what's going on. Like, you know, why is this orange? Why is this red? What is going on? Um, and that's really about visibility and awareness, right? So they they mm. need the visibility to understand. They need to be confident that everything's okay. They need the awareness that there might be a problem so they can mm. go and work with their peers inside the organization and tell them there might, there, there might be some issues. So really, really important. But the crazy thing for me was they couldn't share any of the technical details at all. The executive wasn't allowed to know the name or IP addresses of the devices. Mm-hmm. So we don't show that. We just don't give it to them. Right. But they can see that devices exist. They can see that they're up or down. They can get extract meaning without actually knowing details. Exactly right. Which is exactly a pretty right. obscure use case, but demonstrates the capability of your dashboard in terms of putting data together that people need, right? Yeah, and it goes back to that. We talked earlier about the the um, <clears throat> managed service providers. You know, they need to be able to just take some element and just share that with a customer, an end customer. They need to be able to take some one thing and just share it with a customer and say, mm. here's, the, here's the data you need. So yeah. that's that, you know, what we call RBAC, the really granular controls to share things. Well, I, unfortunately, we're running out of time, Keith. I think hopefully the people who are listening have sort of got an idea of the breadth of the features here. It's, it's hard to talk about Opman Tech product just because it's sprawled across so many different things. And I think that reflects, or I'd like to think that reflects the 25 years of development that's kind of gone into it. This isn't something that popped out of some high you know, university student's head and then they spent three years developing a product around it. This is something that's got decades of iteration and contributions and developments in it. And if people want to find out more about it, where can they go? Um, they can go along to our website, uh, opmantic.com. So that is um, uh, opmantek.com. That'll get you to uh, the main source of data about everything that we do. Um, we've got, uh, we're obviously on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can find us, same again, if you look up opmantek, O-P-M-A-N-T-E-K, you can find us um, on all the socials. And if people want to look at the open source project, they can look for NMIS, Network Management Information Solution. It's out there. Just do a quick search and be able to find it. Um, strongly recommend that you take a look at it. Uh, it's a good way to get le- sort of sidle in sideways. So if you've got a manager who wants a network management solution, but you're looking at, say, another product and they want to charge you a quarter of a million just to get started, maybe Enmis is a way to start off knowing that you've got somewhere to go. There is a commercial solution backing that in. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Thanks to Opman Tech for sponsoring it. Without them, we wouldn't be here, be able to bring you uh, the Packet Pushers Network. We have a whole range of fine, free technical podcasts along with a website at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter, find us on LinkedIn, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and last but never, ever least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.